0: Hello and welcome back to the podcast where we're reading my cringy novel that I wrote when I was 17, slash 15, slash 16, and then published, I think, when I was still 17. Um, we're reading, because I'm in the, my dorm this week, the, the dorm copy that I have was one that was proofed by my piano teacher. Um, and... So we have her notes in here. Her her first name is Leah. Um, So we have her notes. She has a lot more notes than my sister does, so that'll be fun. We might read some of them. And then there's like a period where she stopped writing notes, but she apparently still read all of them. And I think she just got really exhausted of correcting so much and was like, you know what, I'm just gonna finish this novel. Uh, and then at the end, she has a bunch of notes. So, she, uh, she writes, who is used for people that is used for things? Um, an embarrassing number of times in the margins, I notice. So, yeah, getting started on chapter 15. We've got, finally, the guard came to another huge door, this one almost see-through, and motioned for Gavrin to enter. This is the observatory, he said, his voice em- emanated with grandeur. Gavin had the instinct to peek his head in farther than his body had come. Okay. That doesn't even make sense. And she has crossed out had come, so I don't know. Gavin had the instinct to peek his head in farther than his body had come, curious to see all that was behind this jeweled glass door. Directly in front of him was a glass wall that stretched in length and height. Okay the room was almost surrounded surrounded by this wall which held behind it a greater sight than gavin had ever remembered seeing in person the glass gave a sweeping view of the ocean it's richly colored coral it's anemone like creatures it's seaweed and all the miles of schools of fish fleeing with from various terrors each striking in both beauty and intricacy is is it just me or is this chapter better like than i've than any of the chapters so far (laughs) The next paragraph is going to be horrible, so I'm going to regret saying that. But it feels like the detail is, like, suddenly just there, like, inexplicably. Okay. He noticed many dolphin slash deer... Okay, again, <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> you don't put slash in formal writing, I'm pretty sure. Okay. He noticed many dolphin slash deer creatures, like the one he had seen on the way, when he had taken that calamitous fall. Oh, ooh, look at that word. One of these came close to the glass and appeared to look right into Gavran's eyes. The gaze was kept for a moment until Gavran looked away out of some kind of shock or fear that an animal would stare him in the face. He suddenly had the thought to ask what that cr- this creature was. "'That blue fish with antlers. What is it?' "'Which fish?' the guard asked. He leaned down as if he couldn't hear Gavran from his tall position. "'The one right in front of us. That thing,' he pointed, with the antlers. "'Oh, I see. Yes, we call that a reed.' Listeners, you'll you'll figure out that reed is deer spelled backwards. Look at that. Hmm, Cavern pondered at this name. It seemed to suit the creature. <laughs> Look at me just being like, it seemed to suit the creature. And you ride them? Uh, yes, the man answered, leaning down slightly. In fact, they are the creatures that keep this place going. If it weren't for them, none of this would exist. Why? Well, they are enzonic fish. They are mammals, actually. They grow a bit of fur for warmth and need oxygen now and then. <laughs> I love how I just snuck in the definition of mammals. <laughs> so they use Enzon to naturally force air into the water to build underwater bubble houses. Of course, they can't get out of it or into it without it bursting, so they create these bubbles every night to sleep in or just when they need air. They supply us with the oxygen and food that we need to survive underwater. Are, there, are, they, are they other Enzonic fish? Well, yes, and many land animals and birds, too. But I am not as familiar with things above the water. I've only been to land, the man paused, four times in my life. What? Gavard's face blinked with shock. Four times, yes. Why? We are the Reton. We live underwater with the reeds. It is safe here. We are called to this. Or rather, my ancestors were called to this. Called by the one who created our world. We were called to prepare the way for the law. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) <clears throat> uh, maybe at the end of this book, I'll explain what I was trying to do with that. The guard's explanation was cut short when they heard a call from across the walkway. Cobalt, come at once. <laughs> I forgot his name was Cobalt. Okay. The source of the voice was unknown, but the guard took it to be important. I must go. Enjoy the view. He added in a good mannered tone. Yes, thank you, Gavrin called to him as he ran across the walkway and down a flight of stairs. He was met with no response, though, so he turned and walked toward the glass wall. He felt connected to the ocean world in a way that he had never known was possible. He wanted to swim with the reeds, explore the hidden caves, and find currents to be pulled along in. His dreams were interrupted, though, with the sight of Asu and Leah. They both sat in a bubble, and Leah seemed to chatter along as she always did when Gavrin was around. Asu nodded respectfully... And continued to push their bubble along with the water. Finally, Leah looked towards the observatory and began to wave ecstatically. Gavin began to give you a... Give a you-look-funny-like-that look, but then quickly shifted to a I'm-excited-to-see-you look. Single quotes or italics might be helpful, was uh, Leah's note, because I, I did not put that in single quotes. Anyway, but then quickly shifted to an I'm excited to see you." Asu smiled and waved. She wore a flower in her hair, stuck into the band that held her eyepatch on. After a minute or two, their bubble disappeared from view and Gavin resumed his ocean imaginings. One thing caught his attention. All the reeds seemed to be disappearing. First, a few of the larger reeds retreated into the ocean floor, concealing themselves in caves. Then the small, baby reeds had followed, and then almost every other fish in the space that Gavin could see a huge squid-like monster swam from one cave down to another with this move a whole cloud of the creatures followed obstructing his view of what was behind them when they finally cleared gavin could see what he thought was the reason behind the animals movements the most enormous whales that one could dream of were a good distance away though coming quickly they had a fur-like quality to their skin and one large horn crowned each of each of their heads as they came closer gavin began to realize how large they were at this point gavin had no idea what the whales were doing here He only knew that they had scared the fish and seemed to be looking for food, but it was the sound of horn blowing and the sight of rows of reeds coming into view that let him know something more was happening. Men with strange masks and spears were close behind the line of creatures, looking solemnly at the approaching giants. "Gavin, Gavrin, Are you in the observatory?' Asu's voice called to him from the hall. "'Yes, I'm up here!' Gavin yelled back, running to the glass doors. He ran out and looked over the walkway to see her standing in the room with the council table." oh good she sighed run down quickly we must flee this place are those whales attacking Gavin yelled running down the stairs to a Sue. finally he reached her and she answered his question with a nod "Ella sent them you can be sure that she is close behind why are we going can't you help defend here we need to run to the bunker and collect our things a Sue walked over the stairway down to their rooms and Gavin followed i can't use ensignry as well underwater the rataw train underwater they're used to it they have prepared for this with the last three years she finished up as they reached the end of the stairway "'Gavran ran to his bed and began packing things. "'What about Leah?' Gavran asked, folding over the flap on his bag. "'I will grab her things. "'She's with the other outsiders at the launching dock. "'They're ready to disembark as soon as we return.' "'Well, I'm ready. Good,' Asu replied shortly. "'We need to get there quickly.' "'Gavran realized exactly what she said when she meant quick... "'Yep, that's what I meant to say. "'Gavran realized exactly what she meant when she said quickly. "'To her, it meant sprinting across halls, climbing steps two at a time, "'and jumping down the last three steps of every staircase.' He felt silly for lagging behind, considering that she was 70 years old and he much younger than her. Soon they came upon a room that led to a large bubble filled with 20 or so people. As climbed in and Gavin followed, but the bubble stayed still. They heard steps coming closer and looked toward the stairway. Master Azur ran to the bubble and took several scrolls out of his satchel. Here, Gavin, you need to have these. I took them out of the ordarium as quickly as I could. But I can't. "'No, you have to see these. "'They are not safe here. "'Go!' "'At this, the man controlling the bubble "'pushed them all off into the ocean. "'They began to drift farther and farther away "'from the dome and closer to the surface. "'As they neared level with the dome, Gavin noticed a woman sitting in a small bubble "'floating near the attacking whales. "'He soon re- recognized her as Elif. Asu, I see, child. "'We can only hope that she does not.' "'But Asu's words were futile, "'for the woman seemed to look at Asu "'as soon as she let them out. "'Hatred filled her eyes, and she reached her hands out.' Within seconds, a ball of jagged ice began to form. Quick, Sue yelled. We have to reach surface. She knew that the moment Ella sent the ball of ice, their bubble would be obliterated and they would find themselves stranded in the ocean in a desperate swim to the surface. Within a minute, this happened. (laughs) Um, Leah has crossed out within a minute this happened and has said, hold suspense. Brave Gavran, now stranded, may be can a su deliver from ocean sea deeper deeper will he go down will the bubble pop will he drown weep or weep or weep no more for scrolls lost on an ocean floor ends in ways flying hands can for will save like floating islands i forgot that she like did poems for every chapter um she really is a, she really was a fantastic piano teacher and honestly like i am so curious like where she got so many of her ideas because creatively she was a very creative person is a creative person um She's a very sweet person. Um, I still think so highly of her, even though... um, To be very honest and genuine with you as a listener... um, One of the last conversations I had with her in person... Was like coming out to her and and her being fairly uncomfortable with that reality, I think. Um, But, you know... A lot of people in that community are. Um, So yeah, I get it, but she was... All things considered, she was very sweet and and tried to be really understanding. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Page 65, she references. Hmm. And then she has maybe a poem. But then has that poem, which doesn't have anything to do with. Okay. Chapter 16. Gavrin held the scrolls close as the ice came hurling towards them. Isu tried to push it away, but Ella's own strength was much too powerful to resist. Their bubble was destroyed, and water rushed into the void, spitting them all in different directions. All of them wanted to cry out, but knew this action would be devastating. Isu spun the ends of the water into a force that pushed many up closer to the surface, but several were left behind. The lowest member at this point, an old man of 88 years old, struggled to make it. An old man of 88 years old. Why? Why do I know? I, I get that this is like an omniscient third-person narrative. Narrative. Narrator. Well, like limited omniscience. But like... It's limited omniscience. It's not... I don't know the exact... I don't know. Finding himself still many yards from the surface, he waved to the few looking back at him and let himself be taken over by Elif's grasp. Asu tried to reach out, but he was too far, and he passed from life into death in one last gasp. Wow. I was like, and this old man died. They each began to reach the air, spinning around in the water and breathing heavily. The old man's wife was greeted with the realization that her husband had been taken as part of this brutal war with Elith. So dramatic. Asu reached the surface along with Gavrin, and he greeted her with relief. Asu, Gavrin yelled out, bobbing in the water. I lost the scrolls. "'Sue's face took on a worried expression "'that was unfamiliar to Gavran. "'She dunked her head underwater and looked this way and that. "'Her search was unsuccessful, though, "'and she quickly came back up and swam closer to Gavran. "'Well,' she breathed in more air. "'That can be fretted over later. "'We must get all these people to shore.' "'Her voice kept wavering due to her constant swimming movements, "'but she was obviously not overly concerned with herself. "'There, over in that direction, is a fur whale. "'We should be able to swim to it. "'What about everyone else? "'What about Leah?' Once we reach it, I will prod the whale well to come back this direction. We can get Leah and the rest of the water then. And the rest out of the water then. After almost twenty minutes, Asu and Gavrin reached the large fur whale well and climbed upon its furry back. Gavrin was supposed, surprised to find the fur extremely dry, even hot. The beast's two big eyes were just above the surface of the water, and its back provided the perfect moving island. Dar, dar, Asu said. Which is rad-rad backwards, I guess? I don't know where that came from. Asu said, and the creature began to move through the water. Its movements were very gradual, though kept a nice, consistent pace and parted a small wake with its back and tail fin. To Gavrin, it seemed like more of a turtle than a whale, though. Though it lacked the obvious shell. The obvious shell. Uh Unlike what the past thirty minutes had held, he found being on the back of this beast to be relaxing. Soon they greeted the swimmers, swimmers with relief. Oh, be grateful to Wolf. He has saved us, a middle-aged man yelled as he climbed on the beast. Esu gave him a worried look, but Gavron did not understand what this meant. <laughs> She's like, none of that paganism. <laughs> oh, I love it. And Wolf is capitalized, by the way, because it's a proper name. I am so glad you made it," Leah said, lifting herself on lifting, <laughs> lifting herself on next to Gavron. We were beginning to think we could all we would all drown before you reached us. I am sure you were worried," Gavron said, helping an elderly man climb. <laughs> oh dear, I do not think there will be enough room on here for everyone. Some will have to keep swimming or at least take turns," Asu explained. Then again, fur swim much faster than us. What about flying?" Gavron asked simply. Ah, Asu's eyes seemed to sparkle for a second. Yes, you should fly. No, 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 Gavin muttered. I just meant that, you know, some people that might know ensignry could fly now and then. I think Asu is a good idea, Leah decided. You should, we really should learn ensignry yourself. Gavin thought about this for a moment. No, I don't know enough about it. Hmm. Well, this would be a wonderful time to reach you, Asu smiled. Before Gavin could protest, he found himself being pulled up by some force he could not detect or determine the root of. After a moment, he was two feet in the air and climbing. Asu began to float as well, staying next to him. This way, if you fail, you will only fall into the water. That didn't turn out too well last time, though, Gavin protested. Oh, well, stay close to the water. Don't fall too far, Asu replied. Here, reach your hands out. Okay, Gavin replied, putting his hands out. I feel like Peter Pan. Oh, hmm, Asu replied thoughtfully. Now, try to feel the energy in the air, the ends that's weird, Gavin said. He found he did feel something different about the air, running through his skin and energizing the tips of his fingers. Now think about flying. Gavin did this, and he soon began to lift off on his own. Whoa, see, you're doing it, Asu said, laughing. Leah thought this was entertaining and flew up to be beside them. The rest of the swimmers could now fit on the fur well, with a few people only holding on to a tuft of fur and being pulled along. But how do I stay up like this? Gavin asked nervously. Well, there's probably a lot of ends in around here. You will probably be fine. Probably? Gavin asked, a look of concern stuck on his face. I will take care of you, young one, Nisu promised. Watch. With this word, she released her hand on Gavin and let him be held up only by his own power. He fell about a foot and almost screeched, but continued to float in the air, looking at Leah and Nisu with relief. At this point, we should take a moment to explore the thoughts that were taking place in Gavin's mind at this time. <laughs> uh... Oh, well, Leah hates this. <laughs> there are a lot of notes in the margins where um, uh, where where she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, what is the deal with the change of viewpoint here? So, at this point, we should take a moment to explore the thoughts that were taking place in Gavin's mind at this time. As we would expect, he felt an air of some utterly foreign quality, being in the sky with nothing but his own strength holding him up. His feet just hung, useless in the air. He was also struck by how subtle his movements were. To go forward, he only needed to leap forward slightly. To stop, he only had to return to a standing straight position. There was no waving of the arms, blowing of air, propelling of steam, or pushing of legs. It was all directed by the whims of his body and the wind around him. Several times a persistent thought came back to him, am I really doing this? And then the realization made still more times, I'm really doing this. He now found that his expectation had been wrong. He assumed that his first use of engine would be slow and filled with failure and said it was coming very naturally. At some point, Leah noted that he flew like a Maldrachian, meaning that he was doing it fairly naturally, without much tiring. Oh, really? <laughs> Thanks for that, <laughs> narration. Oh dear, we need to catch up with the fur whale, Leah shouted. For a, a whalish creature, Gavin felt that it was moving faster than he had expected. It swam along with its five fins, two on each side and one at the back, its eyes maintaining a docile and tired expression. Finally, the air travelers reached the fur whale again and, and flew b- above and beside it. Do you think Eliv will try to chase us again? Gavin questioned Sue. Eh, no. The Taw base is very strong. Eliv will need to con- concentrate all her attention on them. Do you think that she will... Well, Gavin's concentration on the conversation created a break to his concentration on flying. Great. Three uses of the word concentrate uh, in, in two quotes. And he fell for a moment before regaining his flight. She will kill them, if that is what you're asking. She is a very evil woman, Asu replied solemnly. Gavron immediately felt an urge to go back. This is the best way to keep flow rather than informing the reader outright. We will now hear Gavron think, just weave it in, nice job. Okay, that's what Leah said. Gavron immediately felt an urge to go back. He began to question it. Why would I want to go back? It occurred to him that he wanted to help. What would I be able to do? Then the answer, use enzunry, fight Elif. But the voice of reason broke through and silenced all of those ideas. Assue, Leah shrieked, the Akatans are ahead. Oh dear, Sue muttered. With a wave of her arms, she flew forward at an unbelievable speed. What is she doing? Gavin asked Leah. She's a brave woman. If we get out of this alive, it will be because of her. Gavin watched Sue stop in front of the dragons, her long black hair coming to rest on her back. The dragon leading the group seemed to be pure white. Thank you for the color symbol. Should mom see a white dragon? Oh, that's interesting. The color? The... Color. Oh, she's saying color. <laughs> her handwriting is, was is a little bit difficult to read. It's like cursive, and I have a lot of trouble reading cursive. Uh, should mom see white dragon? That's a good point. Um, Gavin watched Sisu in front of the dragons. Her long black hair coming to rest on her back. The dragon leading the group seemed to be pure white. Leah, is that is that the lead Eketon his voice shuddered with the word Eketon. Something about it was utterly terrifying, especially when seeing their dark red faces and blood-colored dragons. "'Yes, that is Derwin, the one I told you about,' Leah replied, keeping a steady gaze on the dealings ahead of them. Sue was obviously talking with Der- Derwin, but they couldn't hear what she was saying. As they got closer, Gavin noticed a look of concern on Derwin's face, almost akin to fear. Sue stood in the air with her arms straight beside her and her fists clenched. As Gavin flew closer, attempting to keep away but having to stay above the fur wheel, heard bits and pieces of their conversation you think you're strong you will find out the strength of german strong but shivering voice spoke no you and she su's voice replied lots of information she was facing away from Gavin, which made her words harder to hear suddenly without warning scores of arrows flew towards the fur devastated passengers attempted to abandon it but many were too late the arrows pierced several travelers Asu yelled something at Derwin, then her hand swept up, and she flicked her fingers at him, causing long crystals of ice to fly towards him. They, this took him by surprise, but he recovered quickly. Leah flew down to help the people in the fur there were though there was no way to continue. The furwell is bleeding badly in several places, arrows sticking into its fur. "'We have to go,' Leah yelled, trying to help the passengers. "'Asu, most of them can't fly, and many are dying.' Asu's solemn face seemed horrified by the sight." She realized there was no way for her to save them all, and this saddened her greatly. She turned to Derwin with a rare look of hatred. In a moment, she pushed her hands toward him and blew him off his dragon. She waved her hands around for a second, then sent strings of lightning toward the white dragon that Derwin rode. The beast withstand it, withstood it for a moment, then cri- crippled up and was scorched, falling into the water. Derwin, meanwhile, had flown back up and taken one of his guard's dragons. His echentons fled quickly, but one remained. Asu looked at this one with a look that promised pain if he did not flee as well. He looked at her dazed, then flew off, joining the others. Gavin watched this all unfold, astounded by Asu's power. She was a calm, quiet, kind woman in her seventies, yet said to be in her seventies, and yet she had sent away Ella's second in command with a short display of her strength. Leah was busy helping the people who had been struck with arrows. This was, one, this was of no use, though, for they were all... in far more fatal conditions than Maldrockian doctors would be able to help. Their group continued, having to leave behind the fur whale and the wounded with the with the few that were left and could fly. No semicolon, these should only connect two complete sentences, not a sentence plus a phrase. Aha, so I do know how to use a semicolon. Okay, now, not not back then, but now I do. Their group continued having to leave behind the farewell and the wounded with the few that were left and could fly. After many hours of tiring flight, they landed on the rocky island of Tritoni. I don't again. I don't even think that that is in no dirt. I don't even think that that's a, a word spelled backwards. So I don't know what I was saying. Then they each found soft places to lay down and fall asleep. All of them were soon asleep except and Gavrinenko. They sat on a small jutting rock, looking across the water and watching the rainbow of floating lights. So um. Gavin broke the silence. Where are we? We're on the island of Traytoni, Asu answered. The island you mentioned to Master Azure. Gavin quickly remembered when, where he had heard the name. Yes, I'm surprised you remember that, Asu admitted. So when you mentioned the island, you said you were planning to come here. Why? After pausing a moment, Asu spoke. My sister, her name is Eliza. My sister's name is Eliza. Gavin cut her off politely. <laughs> politely? I don't know if you can politely say that. Um or politely cut someone off well she is dying I have come to be with her in her last days Gavin was surprised not only at the mention of a sister but the fact that she had made a detour to reach Tritoni. so why did you visit the Retov if you needed to visit your sister you are an insightful boy Sue smiled solemnly <coughs> I believe very much that you will be used in our world I wanted to see the prophetic scrolls I thought those would help you see your place but they are lost I'm so sorry Gavin said I feel really bad about letting them go "'No, no, it was not your fault. "'There was no way to keep them from getting wet.' "'After a few moments, Gavin spoke up. "'Do you see your sister often?' Assu hesitated. "'Not as often as I would like. "'Usually once a year. "'My nieces and nephews, though.' Assu laughed. "'They are so fun.' "'How many do you have?' "'Gavin asked. "'There are nine of them. "'Most very young. Four are boys and five are girls.' "'Wait,' Gavin thought. "'Are all nine Eliza's children?' "'Yes, yes,' Assu answered quickly. "'I wanted to be like that.' "'Her eyes developed a glaze "'and she looked off to another direction.' "'But it was not in my path to find a husband, to marry. "'It was my path, instead, to defend and to fight. "'So you believe that that is the path for me?' "'Gavern asked her. "'To defend?' "'Asu drew in a breath, then spoke. "'I don't know. "'I cannot know. "'Is that what I think? "'Yes, but it is not what I know.' "'Gavern smiled a bit. "'Way too often, I pretend to know things that I only think. "'It is easy to do that,' Asu replied, chuckling. "'Gavern felt an urge to go back "'to what started their conversation. "'How long is the trail to your sister's house?' "'Oh, about six miles. There are many villages around here, but she lives in the farthest one at the end of the island. We will walk there in the morning, then go on to Puzzler. Will you stay with your sister for long?' Gavran inquired. "'No, just a few hours. I wish I could stay longer. She understands the urgency of the situation, though, and will not hold it against us that we will have to leave soon after coming.' "'But she's dying,' said Gavran. "'Shouldn't you stay with her longer? I hope to be able to heal her, but even if that cannot happen, she will not mind.' It is not the tradition of the Fet. I mean, it is not usual to stay beside a dying one. It is seen as a waste of time. Whoa, Gavrin was astonished by this idea. A waste of time? But what if that person was close to you? What if you care about them? Oh, I care about her, but it is our culture to let the dying have their dignity. We want to keep their happy, alive memory in our mind. Even our children are being kept from seeing her at this time. I thought your culture came from our culture, though. Oh, dear Gavrin, you are such a thinker, Asu laughed. "'My mom tells me I have a mind like a computer.' Mm. "'Oh, yes, I have not been to your world for almost two years. "'I almost forgot what computers were.' Gavin was surprised that she knew it all. "'If she had been there, though, they would have been prevalent. "'Funny,' he muttered. "'Dear me, I am usually a very energetic person, "'but I am beginning to be tired,' Asu admitted. "'I need to sleep, too,' Gavern agreed. "'There's a nice place over there that looks very comfortable,' Asu advised. "'Thank you,' Gavin said. "'Where will you sleep?' "'This is good for me,' Gavern laughed. "'This is a rock.' I know that, Asu replied. It is still fine. Okay, if you're good with that, Gavron replied. Good night. Good night, Asu simply replied, staring back at the sky. Assumably deep in thought, Gavron found the soft patch of grass that Asu had mentioned and laid down, using his hands for a pillow. A chilly breeze blew gently across her back, his back, but he was, for the most part, comfortable. After lying in the stillness for a moment, his eyes shut and his mind quieted. Soon he fell asleep. And then the poem that... Leah has written for this chapter is to sleep perchance to dream dream of his family or home or of fur whalish adventures in whalish tones is he homesick why not mm, okay so maybe half a poem and half questions for me about the chapter all right chapter 17 um I'm actually going to read another chapter even like probably shouldn't um because I'm curious if it continues to be like okay because honestly like last chapter wasn't awful and then it like i feel like the paragraphs are getting longer the dialogue is getting less awkward like this is actually really encouraging me because i'm like if if i really did improve over the course of this novel then i won't feel so stupid about having written a whole novel that i that i hate and i think is horrible so okay chapter 17 gavrin heard a subtle whisper "'Gavern,' the voice spoke. "'Awaken and rise, child. We have a long journey today.' The voice began to get louder as it continued. As Gavern became more conscious, he remembered where he was and who this voice belonged to. "'Sue,' he began, sitting up despite the ache of his back. "'I am really tired,' he rubbed his eyes, reaching his arms out and yawning. "'Sue smiled. "'Leo went, down to the, went to the nearby village and found a dragon. "'We are beginning our trip soon.' Leah has written, Blue dragon equals taxi size type. (laughs) Okay, Gavrin let out one more yawn and then stood up. Where's my pack? Here, Asu pulled his satchel from her larger pack and handed it to him. So, um, did Leah just walk into town and ask for a dragon? No, no, there is a bit of a community around the Ancinders of Light, those fighting for good. We help each other. This interested Gavrin. So you have a secret alliance? I suppose in some way, Asu answered. And you have secret code words, right? What do you mean? Well, like, Gavrin stopped as Leah walked up to the two and began speaking, giving no heed to their conversation. I have the dragon ready. I gave it some food and had it drink out of the trough at the village. Should we go? Asu paused for a moment, acknowledged Leah, then spoke to Gavrin. We should resume this conversation. Our time traveling will allow a lot of discussion. No, sorry. Sorry for the readers that just got really excited. Um, I meant to say our time traveling... As in, our time spent traveling will allow a lot of discussion. Okay, Gavrin replied. Asu now replied to Leah. Thank you, Leah. We can begin our flight. Great! Leah led them around a small grove of trees, and Gavrin gasped at the sight of the dragon Leah had found. It was much, much larger than a deer, and had mostly blue scales with speckled streaks of purple. Its legs were long and rather lax, not astute like a large dragon's legs are supposed to be. It had four regular-looking legs with two extra legs closer to its head, almost on its neck. Each claw pod, claw, clawed pod was encircled by scraggly-looking purple fur. Its head was rather small and attached to a skinny, snake-like neck. Its eyes were set in very deep and its mouth didn't look overly intimidating. Though seeming to notice them, the dragon looked on lazily and didn't pay m- much attention to the approaching trio. Here, Leah said, climbing up, up uh, onto the dragon's coarse black saddle. I can seat you- I can- I can seat here- I can seat here, you, Leah paused to help Gavran up, uh, can sit here, and Sue, you can sit there. The result of things being that Leah proudly sat at the front, leading the dragon as all warrior warriors insist upon, and having Gavran and, I don't know if that was a commentary on my dad at the time, but he uh always needs to be the one driving, and having Gavran and Sue behind her, led by her wise instruction. What kind of dragon is this? Gavran asked, curious if they had any sort of specific titles. This is a blue fur-footed grazer. And then my, my friend Leah has noted BFFG. So, nice. Leah answered with the air of a tour guide. They were given this name because of the fur on their paws and because of their laziness. They were found slowly grazing the hills of Cushenti. Nice. And then we made them our rides everywhere. No, um, so it's a lazy dragon. Leah has crossed out Lazy Dragon, but it's like she wants me the sentence to just be... So it's a... So I don't know. Okay. Gavin assumed. Great, Sue chuckled, but Leah ignored his sarcasm. Dar, dragon, Leah shouted, causing the snake-like neck to bend and the head to turn and look at her with a face that said, You really think I'm moving for you? It worked last time, and he is a good flyer, but... Oh, Sue finally gave her own words, startling Gavin. Dar, dar! Oh, nice. Leah has written to camels in Arabic, they say this, yalla, yalla. Be up with you. And as all good dragons do, the beast obeyed her words and began to fly. Thank you, Leah said, partly humbled at her inability to direct the the animal. Glad I could be of help to you, Asu answered. The dragon moved slowly but surely, and they were soon halfway to their destination. Asu turned and glanced back at Gavin. What was it you were going to ask me about? Something like code words. Oh, yeah, Gavin remembered. Do you have some sort of language that you only use when speaking with rebels? Rebels? I mean people who don't support (laughs) Eliv. As if she doesn't know what that means. Oh, well, no, I don't think we have a special language. In fact, there is only one language in Meldrog. Really? Gavin hadn't really considered the idea, but the fact surprised him. Mm Mm-hmm, Asu answered, finding a scarf in her bag and wrapping it around her neck and face. A few strands of purple hair escaped and blew wildly in the wind. Why do you have purple hair? Gavin inquired, feeling rather rude but insanely curious pardon me Asu replied i cannot hear you well what did you say why do you have purple hair gavin repeated realizing how loud the wind wind was well why do you have brown hair um well never mind gavin later realized that asu had really just avoided the question but at this moment he felt partly rude for asking it so he kept quiet after another few hours gavin heard asu yell to leah over the torrent of the wind this is her house on the on the hill he assumed she was speaking of her sister's house and this assumption was found to be true. And then Leah has circled that and said passive voice, which actually helps me remember what that is, because that's always complicated to me. I always forget what, what that means. There on a grassy hilltop with one tree stump stood a small rustic house. It had a dismal gray and brown color with little red curved shingles and a astute metal rooster swinging in the wind attached to the top. It was the most familiar-looking house the Gavin had ever seen when compared to Bear's little hobbit home and Asu's thatched cottage. As they came closer to the house, the dragon's neck extended idiotically like an ostrich. Ostrich. Gavin found it to be very large, though only bearing two windows and a small curved door on the front wall. Two very small children bounded out waving to the dragon and its passengers. Soon, Gavin was close enough to see a young girl peeping out. Two very small children mounted out, waving to the dragon and its passengers. Soon, Gavin was close enough to see a young girl peeping out one window and another girl watching them from the other window. A canoe-shaped boat appeared in view, holding three boys, two very young and one fairly old, coming closer to the rocky island. The boys ran up the hilltop with a fury, just as the dragon, with a fury, just as the dragon landed. Gosh, and land it did, but gave no sign of getting back up until a year slumber. A few years slumber was achieved. Asu climbed down and greeted each of the approaching children with the warmest and kindest hugs that only family can appreciate. Leah practically fell off the dragon, but just herself off and walked to Asu. Now Gavin sat alone on the dragon, feeling stuck. Finally, he got himself off and walked to where Asu and Leah were. Just as he came, a man came from the house and greeted them warmly. How are you, Caleb? Asu's voice rang out. "'Fine, fine,' he replied, rubbing his hands together. "'Eliza is doing better today, and very much looking forward to your visit.' "'Good,' Asu replied, ensuing a quiet law in the conversation. "'So who is this?' Caleb asked, gesturing to Gavrin. "'Oh, dear me, I almost forgot his name—' <laughs> "'Oh, dear me!' <laughs> "Um, "'His name is Gavrin, and he has been journeying with me for the past few days,' "'Asu explained with a tender-hearted smile. "Gavrin, this is Caleb, my brother-in-law.' Gavrin shook hands with Caleb, the latter of which was replying with a hearty, "'Nice to meet you, Gavin. "'Yeah, you too.' "'Gavin said, feeling a part awkward. "'Of course, you know Leah,' Asu continued. "'Yes, yes,' replied Caleb. "'Good to see you, Leah.' "'Leah nodded and echoed his sentiment. "'Can Aunt Asu see my room?' "'The voice of a child broke into their conversation, "'and they all looked to see a young girl "'with black and purple hair beaming up at them. "'Why, of course,' Asu answered, "'picking her up and holding her on her Asu's hip. "'But first, Caleb explained, "'Auntie Asu needs to see Mommy.' "'Okay,' the little girl replied. "'Mommy is sick.' I know, a child," Asu answered. "That is why I am here. Will you make her better? I will try," Asu replied. "What's your name?" Gavin asked the girl, leaning down slightly to be at eye level. "'Lou!' the girl shouted, laughing. "That is her nickname for herself. Her name," Caleb began, but was cut short by the girl. "Lulu. That is my name." "Okay," Gavin replied kindly. Asu placed the child back on the ground, and Caleb led them through the house. "Has her face become lighter?" Gavin looked at Asu, then at Caleb, confused. "No, not exactly, but we continue to hope." "'Caleb replied. "'The house was dark on the inside, "'with a small fire burning in an ice brick fireplace "'and a kitchen area with a large wooden table. "'Finally, they reached... "'Finally, they reached a little curtain door, "'and here they stopped. "'Asu,' Caleb paused. "'She may be very tired.' "'I know,' Asu answered. "'Caleb moved the curtain slightly, "'and they stepped in, "'leaving Gavin and Leah outside the room. "'Gavin remembered feeling like this "'when his parents went to see a friend in the hospital "'and he stayed outside.' That had been two or three years ago when the twins were only six years old. He looked up at Leah, who bore a very solemn face, and bit her, and bit the edge of her lip worriedly. He heard a few voices. He heard a few voices from the room, but couldn't tell exactly what they were saying. He could tell they were whispering, though, and it seemed very important. Sue opened the curtain and stepped out, along with Caleb, leaving the fabric to fall back into place. I do not know how to say this exactly, but she wants to see you, Gavard. Sue said, her forehead wrinkled. This confused both Sue and Gavron, but Gavron nodded and walked in when Caleb pulled the curtain open. A woman who looked something like Sue lay in the bed, her face startling in color. Dark blue streams wrinkled across her brow and all her skin had a bluish tint to it. Go outside, Sue," the woman called out, her voice hoarse. Gavron heard Sue sigh and her footsteps echo across the hall and outside. Now that she was gone, Eliza spoke to Gavron. Sue has written to me about you. She really believes in you, doesn't she? I guess so, Gavin answered, not wanting to stare at her blue face, but finding no other place to look. She thinks you are important to our world. She believes you will do what no other can or could do. Wow, Gavin replied. He was startled at this, surprised at how high highly Asu saw him. But I need to tell you something, Eliza went on. She would never tell you this, just as she has never told anyone this. Her eyes glazed over and she seemed to be unconscious for a moment, making Gavin realize how sick she was. I am sorry, I... Well, she sighed heavily and looked Gavin straight in the eyes. Ella did this to me. She cursed my body with lightning. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Gavin would not say that. He's a good Christian boy. He says, oh my. Gavin let out, clenching his jaw. I was once like a Sue, battling with her with all the vigor that she has. I was doing my duty. She did this to me and I guess it brought me back to my children. A feeble smile came to her and she looked back at Gavin. You need to know this, and I know Asu would never tell you this herself, but Elev is our sister. Gas. Gasp. Asu's Gavin's jaw dropped noticeably, and he gasped, staring at her. We came from Theronland many years ago when we were all children me, Elev, and Asu. We were much like you, really strangers who found themselves in a world completely foreign to them. We were taken in, though, and I suppose our paths have been intertwined into the basket of Maldrok. I don't understand, Gavran uttered. You came from Farinland? Yes, Farinland. We are Farins, a separate race, but with ancient mystic ties to your race. That is why Asu and I are both tall and have black hair with purple, and, well, that is why we look slightly different from your people, from the people of this world and yours. Gavran's mind was more Gavin's mind was more surprised than it had ever been, even when the first realization came. I know it is a shock, Gavran, Asu says, Sue says, you and her have become close just in the last few days, that she feels you are almost a son. Eliza smiled, the son that S never had. Anyway, I'm afraid that I I am much more sick than I let on. I will die soon, but do give this to Alive. Eliza shifted in her bed and produced a piece of paper out of her bedside table. Oh, uh, okay, Gavin assured, taking the letter from her blue-tinted hands. Tell her that Eliza took a quick, deep breath, holding back tears. Tell her that I love her. Gavin's own spirit felt like crying at the moment, tossed about by the secrets and deep feelings that had just been revealed to him. Oh, that is a lot. And... That is pretty sad. Um, We're pretty much... Eh, one third of the way through the book, and... Honestly, I'm glad that I that I made that plot twist come early, because, you know, it was obvious, and it was, um, you know. Yeah, it was obvious that it was coming, so I'm glad that I didn't, like, wait for the end of the book. Um, yeah, so far, it's getting better, which I'm kind of surprised by. I definitely thought it was just always going to be, like, terrible. But yeah, we left with chapter seven, 17, um... And the next chapter is chapter 18. So that's all for today.